Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. We're going to talk a bunch of great big Star Wars news and take a bunch of great listener questions. There's so much news. This is a very newsy news week, isn't it, Ken? 
Yeah, so much so that we were even toying with having to put the questions on their own stage. And who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get to the first break and realize it's two hours in. <laughs> uh, and, and, and we still haven't got like the news story that everyone wants as of this recording, uh, the trailer, though. Even as we're recording, there's some thoughts that is. Is this the day? I don't know. So uh, we're going to get to all of that. Before we do, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. As always, a little bit later, over force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, how you doing? How's life? Hey. <laughs> how's life? You know, I think we're all wrestling with how to answer the how's life question because I, I think it is uh, challenging for all of us. And I was flipping through my, uh, my phone looking for some old photos for a thing. And I came across, I don't know why, I just, uh, I was watching The Last Jedi uh, with captions, and I just took a screenshot of the porgs, and underneath it uh, just said screeching. <laughs> and I thought, that's how I am. I'm just like a porg who just wants to screech all the time. But besides that, I'm great. <laughs> we all could use a good screeching every now and then. <laughs> just get it out like the porgs. I mean, the porgs just wake up, and they look around. Their life was pretty good on Octo overall, and then, but they just wake up, they look around, and they just go, ah! which is understandable. Uh, yeah, so the world's stressful, but I've, I've had a bunch of great things going on, and I'm really lucky and really grateful for all the good things in my life. Uh, that show that I work on for Adult Swim, Tig Tone, a very bizarre comedy fantasy show. I had its uh, second season premiere uh, last night on Adult Swim with two episodes, and I stayed up uh, until midnight and watched those with my wife, and uh, it's always uh, just really uh, gratifying uh, everybody is out here in uh, in Los Angeles working hard and lots of other people working hard all over the world on different creative stuff. And it is nice uh, when something comes together. And that was just mm. kind of nice to sit sit on the couch. Uh, it's a very collaborative uh, process uh, working on Tig Tone. So uh, one of the things they do is they, they credit all the writers every episode. And, you know, nice. it's a very collaborative process. So it's a kind of an evolution of like, sometimes you watch it and go like, oh yeah, I remember I threw out that idea. You, you see an idea you like and like, I remember liking that. I can't remember who in the writer roots room said that or how it evolved or where from. It's it's very collaborative, but it's still uh, a nice thing to sit there and, and see my name flash across the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Toast toast to uh, hard work. You know, it's not not, not necessarily a toast to yourself. It's a, a toast to what you've accomplished. And I think it's uh, we we all forget to do that every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Toast your your successes and the success yeah. of the the people that you're working with. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did. I had a whiskey and I toasted myself, and it was very nice. <laughs> that is good. That is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, what what about you? What did you have any uh, specific life adventures? Specific Star Wars adventures? Man, I I'm trying to remember this week, and I think the answer is <laughs> no. Um, I really think the answer is no. Other than. Uh, you know, fighting with Streamlabs, try to learn to stream better like a 14-year-old and uh, uh, just with everything going on inside, outside, trying to trying to make things work and and try to also live a life. I, you know, it was a tough week for me, but uh, I, I am okay. And I always just try to find those, if you got five minutes to relax and enjoy life, you take it. And, and, and that was kind of my lesson for the week and forcing to slow down and, and had to go... Um, and not, I use that phrase, had to, that was wrong. Uh, uh, got to go. Uh, <laughs> a little celebration, like a social distant birthday celebration with like, we're talking me, Grace, and uh, the, the husband and wife team celebrating the, the wife's birthday. Um, 
and that was nice to to safely go as best we can uh, to in these weird times to just celebrate someone else and and as I always say de- deposit make a deposit in the friend bank. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go support each other, and uh, it was good. So it, was, it forced me to to slow down. Uh, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last, as the song once sang. So um, yeah, that's me. That's me. Okay. That's good. That's good. So I think uh, it sounds like the the Star Wars adventure uh, you had is needing help from both a therapy Ewok and a slicer Ewok. All of the yes. larger canon Ewoks would have helped oh, you out. God, if if uh, Pikpa, right? Pikpa, yeah, yeah. Um, would love help on Streamlabs. <laughs> Come on, Pikpa, get in here. I mean, those things. You and I can make jokes of, of being a little bit older in this game. I, we're not that old, everybody, and uh, it, it drives me crazy that people uh, sometimes in the industry treat us as such. But um, you know, you learning new technologies is, is sometimes uh, hard for me because I, I just get I get afraid. And uh, I've been watching all the YouTube videos I need to watch, and then you go press the buttons like the video told you to. I can learn how to cook a good omelet this way. Why can't I learn to fix the audio? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I understand. I understand. Uh, the only other Star Wars adventure I had this week was one of those just great reconnecting with, uh, I think, some of the stories that uh, inspired Star Wars. My wife and I what just kind of wanted to watch something different and special on Saturday night. So we got some mm-hmm. takeout and we watched Casablanca, which I've seen before. It's a very good film. You know, it ranks up there in lists. Uh, incredibly enjoyable all by itself. But man... Just uh, spending so much time getting to discuss Star Wars with you and our, and our whole uh, Force Center community and Star Wars fans online, you know, getting to live in that world more. So great to watch something like Casablanca and, uh, you know, that the vibe of what's happening in Rick's uh, American Cafe. This, mm-hmm. you know, it's a cantina where all these different people are meeting with different needs and a lot of them need a way to get out of there. And the entire film is about Rick's moral journey about, you know, whether or not uh, he can just let bad things happen or whether he's going to take any action. And it's so like, it, it is, you know, it's great to just watch a movie like that and go, wow, this is a classic for a reason. It's amazing. But then also go like, he's Han Solo. <laughs> so, okay. You didn't, you, you and I did not discuss this. Um, put a pin in Casablanca. I'm going to bring it up in a bit. <laughs> nice, really. And also uh, on my uh, podcast I released Saturday night, uh, Saturday Night Napsuck on the Napsuck Files, plug everybody, um, it's mentioned there. Um, wow. That's really interesting, and we're going to come back to that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it when you put pins and things. Yes. So interesting. Yeah, I love it. Excellent, excellent. I am excited for our pin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, good Star Wars uh, theme adventure there, sir. Yeah. So uh, we've got other stuff to talk about, right? Yeah. Let's. We're, we were almost to the news here, but uh, uh, we we wanted to discuss the uh, Star Wars conversation of the week. I guess is a way to look at it, Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if "want to discuss" is the mm. uh, <laughs> is for me uh, the the right turn of phrase uh, for myself. I. I. Yeah, we want to talk about the Gina Chrono stuff uh, just because uh, for myself, I th- I think there are things uh, that uh, for me kind of cross a personal line and I feel bad if I don't actually uh, say something about it. I'd prefer to just keep uh, talking about the wars and the stars, but sometimes uh, being this close to Star Wars, you know, something uh, becomes uh, a little bit too big to ignore. Uh, so 
Ken, if you don't mind me rambling for a bit, I just want to throw out my thoughts and then get yours. Does that work? I would absolutely love to to uh, hear your thoughts and go down this path. Okay, cool. So, uh, not surprisingly, I, I really love the character of uh, Cara Dune, and I really like Gina Carano's performance. Uh, we talked about that a bunch. I thought she was really interesting, really likable, really insightful on Disney Gallery. We talked about uh, Cara Dune and uh, Gina Carano's performance when we were discussing Disney Gallery a bunch, and I'm still going to watch Mando Season 2, and I'm going to try my best to enjoy her performance, uh, and I'm not going to tweet anything mean at her because I don't think that's uh, productive for me to do, but just kind of in order for me to feel okay continuing to talk about the Mandalorian, I, I have to acknowledge that I find some of the things that she's tweeted recently really upsetting. You know, mm-hmm. she's uh, posted some anti-mask things and she's posted some stuff that's just, it's to me, it is an opinion. It is, it's in direct contradiction to factual science about how the virus spreads, which I think is really dangerous. And for me, that's not about like, I'm so angry at Gina Carano. For me, that is about empathy. I believe the science and I believe that the science shows us that people will get hurt if we don't follow the science. And I don't want people to get hurt. Um, And then this past weekend, uh, she changed her Twitter handle in a way that to me is is clearly mocking people who choose to share their preferred uh, pronouns. Um, I know there's a lot of back and forth about who started what. But for me, it's real simple of you. it, It is a lot of people in the trans community have stated clearly that they feel this is a offensive and her response is apparently to just continue with it and kind of spin it. But to me, it's, it's clearly mocking people who choose to state their preferred pronouns. And and that upsets me because it's not like a slight political difference for me. It's like, it's very real. It, it, it affects real people. It's not an idea. It's reality. You know, uh, I have friends who are trans and I have friends who are non-binary and I, I'm a fan of the art that's, uh, that's created by a lot of people who are trans and, and non-binary. And it, it's a, not an idea. It's something that directly affects real human beings. Um, I personally think that we, we all have the right to be called by the pronouns we choose, uh, by the name we choose, and, you know, just by the identity we choose. I think we all have the right to determine our own identity instead of someone else kind of determining it for us on the outside. And to me, that's what the pronouns are about. And so mocking that idea is not only emotionally hurtful, but it risks stirring up a lot of transphobic sentiment and possibly putting people in in real physical danger. So for myself, I don't want to go down the path of anger. I'm just sad that an actor that I like is kind of casually mocking people's right to express their identity, which is what I think she's doing. And I think uh, for me, the best way to handle that is to just kind of try to calmly share my view and try to be proactive about what I believe in, in response. So there's a fundraiser going around started by Star Wars fans who want to support the trans community. And if you're interested, you can check it out by Googling trans rights are human rights, uh, colon, this is the way. So that's basically what I wanted to say about it. Uh, I wanted to share my thoughts. So I felt okay still talking about the Mandalorian. And I wanted to offer a proactive thing to do in response to help people. Yeah, uh, I was going to say well said. And I know that's sometimes a four center joke, but, but, but truly well said. And, and um, I know how just important uh, the issues that were brought up again the issues uh, you talk off Joseph on and off air about drilling down on the actual core issues of what's there and it's too easy to get um, 
lost in, in, in the smoke that's, that's created around these situations. So to focus on the, the issues and, and what you said too, of just being careful of what you say, of what you tweet because of the perhaps even unintended and in many cases intended harms, but sometimes maybe it is unintended and I'll, I'll, I'll follow you down that path for a little bit, but always to be, to make sure uh, of what your words do. Um, uh, and, and, and I, uh, there's a, a phrase that was said in the early on in Game of Thrones of, of too easily uh, words of war become acts of war. And and that's something that uh, this week I saw a lot of. And I, I don't want eh, all the hubbub that came around to, to take away what was going on. And I don't like, uh, I just don't like when people get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that, that, that goes down to, for me, this is a Ken thought here of just whatever's uh, letters is before your name in terms of a, a voting booth or any of those kind of, I, 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 you can have those wonderful discussions, but at the end of the day, I just, I just hate knowing that someone is, is, is hurt by things. And which is why I w- would always, and have always tried to, especially in the last f- five years in the digital media, media age of just like overcompensating into the point of just like, I want to make sure no one comes away from interactions with me feeling too hurt. Doesn't mean I'm always perfect or all those kind of things. And and this weekend, I just, I watched someone who I've been a fan of since the, I mean, to the early 2000s uh, fighting uh, days, um, just kind of, just kind of come out swinging, 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 which might be a little bit of, of her nature, but just like, it, it's, that's disappointing to me and to watch the hurt that was caused. Um, and to double down on it, that that was part of the part of the problem for me too, you know. So uh, I back what you say. I saw that fundraiser going around. That's a, that's a great thing. And and through pain can be healing, or pain through pain can be a different direction, a more powerful direction. Uh, and uh, I'm behind that as well too. So tough situation. Yeah, I like what you said up top. We don't want to have to discuss this. That's what you always do. I don't want to discuss this, but it, it it's that's it's not a hard choice. To just go, hey, um, Star Wars, the thing we gather around every week around the radio here, around the campfire to talk about, um, would not agree with this as well, <laughs> just as a theme, as yeah. a statement. So uh, as far as the other things, yep, bigger conversations. Um, you know, as far as Twitter and all that stuff, the only thing is sometimes I... I see, uh, you know, I look at Luke Skywalker hammering down on Darth Vader's hand. And Darth Vader was an evil character. Maybe, maybe from a certain point of view, deserved that. But um, what was the lesson Luke learned there? Maybe uh, before you press that send tweet, make sure are you Luke hammering <laughs> down with the lightsaber or are you Luke throwing it down? And I know that doesn't directly translate to every situation. And I know to, to back Joseph and what he just said of just sometimes there's something that we like, I, I have to support the people, the humans that are close to me, that this affects. That's not the direct translation. I don't want anyone to get lost in that, but just like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of that too, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I think that's a, a really difficult thing. I think it's one of the ideas that Star Wars wrestles with is is always, you know, uh, trying to find uh, the the larger understanding, always trying to find pacifism, pacifism, always trying to, you know, respect different people's perspectives. And then you run into things where like, I can't, I can't go along with that because I believe other people will be hurt by that. And it's a really hard path to walk. I think that's the story of the Jedi of figuring out how to walk that path. And, and for myself, 
I understand that for, you know, people sometimes a line is crossed and anger is a necessary response for, for some people. I understand that. And I think for me, uh, I'm just trying to, I think do what you're talking about is take a deep breath and go, how can I respond to this in a way that says I am absolutely firmly not okay with what uh, Gina Carano is saying? I'm 100% not okay with it, but how can I say that in a way that will be uh, productive and hopefully help people rather than just obscure, as you were saying, you know, the issue uh, in in acting in a way that's going to create so much smoke that nobody can see the actual fire (laughs) and try to put out the fire because it's all smoke, you know, and I think that's a, a different choice for everybody. Um, you know, I think if, if obviously we've been having this discussion a lot, if you're uh, somebody who is the most directly affected and have been for a long time, anger is uh, up to a point understandable. But like mm-hmm. for me, for my choice, I would rather be try to be try to be calm and try to be uh, productive and proactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly not uh, not a textbook, uh, uh, you know, guideline step by step. Here's how you have no. to <laughs> just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, just uh, there's a lot of it, a lot of it going around, a lot of it going around. And um, as 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 for me, uh, I go into Mando 2 excited and wanna, I definitely want to watch it for all the people involved who, um, you know, have put a lot of time and effort into this. And, and we'll see what happens after that. Um, uh, but for now, uh, I'm ready to to look uh, look forward to that. To that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and we got some stuff to talk about there, right? Yes. Let us go into the news. This is Force Center News, and we have a lot actually here. Sorry, my little pause was trying to get up my little notes. <laughs> they uh, went away here, and I, uh, I don't, I want to, don't want to do it. So we uh, we make the jokes all the time, Joseph. But usually, by the time we stop recording, uh, go on with our lives, and then uh, go through the editing and uploading process, uh, information will then drop. Um, and it doesn't matter what day we could, we, we could change the recording day. I guarantee it. <laughs> and this is, you know, back in the day when I was a little bit more, you and I maybe had our ears a little bit more to the ground on the, the, the forthcoming star Wars news. Uh, even you, that was even hard to predict. There'd be times of like, all right, we should really this week, we know this is happening. Oh, wait, it didn't happen. And I'm, I'm not talking about scoop culture or vague tweet or anything like that. I'm just like, when you're like, Hey, so-and-so said this is happening. We should gather up, meet up, let's have a pizza and get ready to talk Star Wars, and then nothing happens. So we go forward with a little bit of news that was that broke last week after our episodes, but we want to dive into it a little more, as we do here on Force Center. We don't mind taking a breath and diving in deeper to the headlines. We got a first look at Mandalorian Season 2 from Entertainment Weekly. I will say in the photos... Great photos. I would say no giant reveals in the photos other than the Banthas and maybe Grief Karga's outfit. What say you, Mr. Scrooge? Yeah, I was all about the confirmation uh, that uh, there will be more sand people and Grief Karga's uh, beard. Uh, I think those are the big revelations of the photos to me. That's good. And I saw some, his outfit was maybe a little bit more similar to Werner Herzog's outfit. I'm like, well, you know, maybe he raided his closet on the way out. I, I, no problems. The Bantha photo brought me great joy. I got to tell you, the Tuscan Raider and a Bantha just brought me great joy. And I'm not, not even sure why. Yeah. I mean, I think it is just so, it's just so classic, right? I mean, for me, it was like, cool, Banthas, you know, Banthas is one of those things that's been in it from the beginning and it gets referenced still all the time as like, you know, turns of phrase in the Star Wars world, right? Um, so Banthas are, are exciting, but I so loved what they did with the Tuscan Raiders in the first season. And I'm excited yep. to know, 
uh, that there's going to be more Tusken Raiders and and like like all these things when they release it, and like it's not that much information. It's just a a uh, picture of a, a Tuscan Raider on a Bantha. Like, okay, but that means we're going back to Tatooine. And what did we leave off on Tana- Tatooine with Fennec Shand and some spurs? So, like, it does suggest some things. It does. It does. It does. And that's the fun. Yeah, yep. Speculate responsibly. One of our T-shirts and themes here at Four Center. But it, 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 we always say in speculating responsibly, just run with the joy, run with the excitement of what's yeah. to come. That was fun. The accompanying article did have some revelations. I'm going to just run through a couple here. We'll dive in, and I'm sure, Joseph, there's some I missed here. Uh, The story will be bigger, higher stakes, more characters, yet each of the eight episodes will still vary in length and have their own flavor. That was actually one of the things I just love to read, Joseph. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely great. The idea that it, that to me suggests like much like in season one, the big picture story will be moved forward, but then each story will also be its own little meal, its own little adventure with a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and that's really exciting to me. You know, I, I like things that just, hey, it's it's one continual story and it just it kind of rolls along from episode to episode. But um, watching Lovecraft Country and that's doing the same thing where there's definitely a big picture story that's continuing but every time you tune in you're going to get an, another story with a beginning a middle and an end and knowing that that's going to be the same thing with mando season two makes me really happy yeah i i yeah i more than i realized when i read that because i talk often about how episode two just kind of got me on a weird level just like oh wow a tone poem this is different i wasn't expecting this i'm excited and even though like episode five i would say ah, maybe didn't like as much it's got that tuscan raider thing but Episode six, I know you love, Jennifer loves, and I liked a little less, but also when I go back to it now, it definitely feels like its own contained thing that I can enjoy on its own, as well as how it connects to the show. And I'm like, I love that feel, and with all the different directors involved, being able to have them all really, really use their own style uh, and, and keep it within the same story. I just, I'm glad they're not losing that. Not that I thought that they were going to lose that, but the confirmation of it made me, made me happy, much like the Bantha, more happier than I realized. Yeah, me too. I'm excited that each episode of season two of Mandalorian can have the convention of friends names, right? It'll be like the one where Mandalorian goes back to Tatooine, right? Uh, the one where Mandalorian, you know, ellipses, yeah. who knows? I love that. Speaking of directors, as I thought we knew, and I remember we talked a little bit of when the story popped up again uh, not too long ago, but uh, John Favreau will be directing episode one on October 30th. Uh, and uh, that's good. Uh, for, I like that. Um uh, I like made. I like made his, his first uh, directorial uh, debut. There's movie. Um, but the story starts directly after the end of season one. Ooh. I am intrigued by that. Uh, I don't need time jumps in my uh, real life. Eventually I'm going to watch these all in an order. Right. So I'm not going <laughs> to remember that I waited a year between seasons. I like that for some of the movies. I like that, you know, Sith. the, uh, you know, kind of happens three years after attack clones. I can dig that. But for this show, when I binge it, binge it later, I'm just going to love to keep rolling into the next season. Yeah, yeah. I think especially since uh, where we left off in season one, I interpreted that being the journey of Mando and the child. Yeah. I'm really excited to not skip that. Like, great. I kind of, I pass from Mando's perspective. Like, I, you know, I, I passed my test. I have a, a clan. I have an insignia. I've leveled up. I've got a jet pack and a new mission. Ah, crap. What now? You know, I don't want to skip that moment of great. Now what? Yeah. I ho- I mean, I hope episode one's just a half hour of him and the child just 
having lunch or something. <laughs> I would not be against that. Uh, the one where of, they have lunch. <laughs> the one where they have lunch. And speaking of that, I didn't even mean that as a transition. Uh, this came, uh, I believe, from Filoni. Uh, Amanda and the child's relationship develops uh, in a way viewers will enjoy. All right. Okay. We're already, we already enjoy this. So how will it develop in a way that we'll enjoy even more, Joseph? Uh, we're going to dive in a little bit later this week on Star Wars Ranked with some things that we want, quote unquote, want to see in, in, in season two of Mandalorian. But this one, I'm, I'm racking my brain as, 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 as how, could, how can this get better? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think without making like an actual joke of it, uh, I mean, I think that's the thing about the relationship between the Mando and the child. It is both uh, sincere and enjoyable, but there's also like this element of humor to it because it really is this uh, kind of odd couple of, you know, this brooding bounty hunter with this little cute toddler who plays with shiny <laughs> silver yeah. balls, right? I mean, that is a part of their energy. And I think just evolving that energy to, it's not just I'm trying to keep you alive until I can dump you off somewhere like it was in the first season. Now it's like, I've made a choice to kind of be your dad for now. We're in a clan of two. And I wonder if it is just going to be kind of growing pains of, you know, I, I haven't been a parent, but it, it, I've uh, read and heard and spoke <laughs> to many parents about that growing pain of like, I love my child more than anything. And I would also like five minutes away from my child. And I wonder if there's going to be some like genuine complications and some humor from the this uh, this little guy's, you know, he's a handful. Um yeah. He is, you know, being hunted. He's mysterious. I'm having a hard time tracking down what he is. Also, he's got a huge amount of power and he's dangerous. You know, he's a, right. an adorable, cute little bomb and he won't stop tugging on my cape. And, you know, I think there's all these elements of the combination of just the actual tension between a, a parent and a growing child. And then also, what if that child had great power? <laughs> and can move things with its mind and, and might just start doing that. You're pitching a great Kubrick movie from like 64 or something like that. <laughs> uh, the bomb walks around with a cute robe on. Uh, yeah, I, the idea of Mando is is with the child. Now, part of the clan, the clan, the clan idea, the Mudhorn clan, um, something I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit later on Star Wars Ranked this week, but just mm -hmm. like the uh, – that not just not just simple i mean the the parent uh, child dynamic is, is clearly there uh, it's one of the things we love you know him mimicking dad's walk and ship and all that kind of stuff but that that all right this is this is the way uh, you're you and i are together until further and then what does that mean what is what does until further now mean for mandalorian uh, yeah it, it's not going to be easy just to cool and i've reached the new finish line handed over right i mean we just can't imagine that's going to be the case so seeing that connection grow, that would be, that would be the, I guess the way to develop it in a way I will enjoy. Yeah. I, the other thing I would just say about that from Mando's perspective, if it's one thing to make the choice that you know in your heart of hearts is right in what you truly want to do, but then also, oh man, that's annoying too, right? I mean, he's like, he's a loner, right? And he's lived the ways of a bounty hunter and, and certainly he's had some exhaustion with that life. But I wonder if there will also be some like, I absolutely know this is the right thing to do, that my mm -hmm. life should be all about figuring out who this little guy is and where he belongs and who his people are. But also, man, would I just like to leave him somewhere and go uh, shoot someone up and make some money? Hey, you know, yeah, 
you and I both not parents, but I now have every morning, the first thing I have to do is take a two pound chihuahua outside for potties. And sometimes I wonder, okay, this is the life. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. And your, your chihuahuas, I, I don't want to be blasphemous, but they, they're up there with cuteness uh, when it comes to the child. I mean, the, the ears are the same. Uh, uh, <laughs> ears are baby Yoda ears. We've determined that. Uh, this next one here, uh, more of the budget going to be seen on screen. This is very natural with TV shows specifically as they go on. Um, famously Game of Thrones season one and two did not have a giant budget. That's why a lot of castles were just walls and Battle of Blackwater <laughs> was done at night uh, when in the books it was in bright daylight. And George R. R. Martin wrote that change, my friends. Um this is uh, this is interesting because going back to again when I mentioned our, our ears were to, to the ground on Star Wars news a little bit more back in the day. This was one of the little bites I heard. No one quote me on this. I, mean, I can't source it. I don't even know. It's just one of those things that floated in the ether. Uh, Favreau did not get all the money he wanted per episode, even though it was a lot of money, hundred million dollars for the uh, season. There was still a lot of it goes to to it kind of becomes a tech startup at that point. Yeah. That's a little bit different this time, and that that can that can sometimes be bad, man. You know, just throwing money at a wall, bringing this actor, that actor. But I'm encouraged because for me personally, Ken Knapsack, season one, loved it, loved the tech advancements. Sometimes it didn't look uh, as 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 well as I'd want it to to look. It looked like it was shot on a, a VR stage. I'm saying that with a lot of love because of the the achievement of it is amazing. And that that gallery series really made me just love what they accomplished even more, to be clear. But to know that it's going to get better uh, and that more money is just on screen to what I see, there goes that one little trip up I had. A tiny trip up, but it was a trip up. And now if I know that's removed, I'm, I'm even more excited for what they're going to tell me on screen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that ties into one of the things they said about yeah, we're going to stay focused on the Mando and the child's relationship, but on like the first season, we're going to follow other characters too. So that idea of like, you know, we've talked a lot about like, wow, especially early on in the first season, we just, we never leave the Mandalorian side. And to know that some of these individual chapters might have an A story where we're following uh, Mando and the child and then a B story where we're following uh, what Moff Gideon is trying to accomplish or what Grief Karga is up to. Uh, separate from the Mandalorian um, or characters, you know, that we haven't you know, even been fully confirmed yet. That excites me, too, because that means like we might see lots of different worlds in one chapter and lots of different kind of the, the scope of the story that mm-hmm. what they can afford to physically show us can expand the story. So, yeah, ooh, you may be thinking some something even going back to season one and seeing it for the first time or going into season one before we had even seen the show, we, we kept kind of saying, we, I think we kind of a lot, we meaning the Star Wars kind of fandom, just kind of got what we were going for early on. But if you look at the marketing, you're seeing Cara Dune, IG-11, and, and Quill, or you're hearing about Nick Nolte, and you're thinking, oh, this is a team-up, this is the A-team, we're going to follow all of them on their adventures. And even though you spend time with them, it really, yeah, like you said, it's Mando and the Child, which was part of the appeal for me. But there was times where I... You know, as much as you and I dig in on the themes, there's times where I just enjoy a good answer or a good plot or a good mystery being solved. And so the cloner, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, was it Dr. Pershing and, and yeah. everything going on there and who the client, you know, I, I feel knowing that maybe that was realizing that wasn't going to get answered maybe during season one because we weren't really leaving the Mandalorian. 
I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, okay, looking forward to those answers. And now I'm really encouraged that we could really, as Favreau says in this article, do the Game of Thrones thing, which is not the only show in the world that's done this as, as much as I know, <laughs> let's be clear. Uh, but just going around and following and getting all the threads and, and seeing where they go and seeing where they connect. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think it means to me, like, because there was that uh, part of season one where I think people got real invested in the story of the of Mando and the child. And then those uh, in between episodes, right, four, five and six, where definitely the big plot is moving. But a lot of it is to kind of support um, mm-hmm. the the ideas of who Mando is and what is his relationship with the child and what is it to be a bounty hunter and what's the state of the galaxy, all that kind of stuff. Um I think it's really exciting to know that, well, the middle chapters might still be like, honestly, Mando and the child grinding for some goal. Uh, but then there'll be a B story that might be advancing some of the kind of larger world plot. And I think that will make people feel more like the big picture story is moving along and, mm. and allow them to enjoy some of the kind of quieter character thematic stuff as well. Mm. Speaking of some of the big stuff, Moff Gideon. Uh, we know he's going to be there. We always got that dark saber and Giancarlo Esposito uh, said some stuff uh, talking <laughs> about how uh, Moff Gideon will, it will be quote pursuing the child while uh, and Manda will uh, commanding a larger vehicle. Hint, hint. All right. Star destroyer seems the thing I'm thinking about Joseph, but uh, if, if it's an ad at Walker, <laughs> just like Kenner, like uh, the, like the fa- I imagine Favreau is an ad at guy, not an ATAT guy. Oh, uh, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, upset at that at all. <laughs> you have any oh no. no. Oh yeah. I mean, there's something about like, the way that they reimagined a uh, sand crawler and showed us the different spaces, uh, you know, and, and show, you know, showed us how it was a fortress and made the ATSD into a kaiju in the woods. I kind of want to see an ad at that's like, what, oh, what is, what is my, is it just like this walking dark science lab, you know, Yeah. that he has converted into his own obsession with the child and whatever he wants to get out of the child. And it's like, if you went into an ad at and you saw his weird, living quarters and he's got a prison in there and he's got you know creepy science lab in there and that sounds exciting to me you're creating you're creating some high expectations for something that's probably <laughs> not going to happen for me because I, as much, I i really seriously one of the little things i loved about force awakens was ray living in the that walker and yeah. i as a kid i think it's just one of those things and this is why cross-section books are fun and and yeah i know there's there's ones probably about the imperial walkers but just as a kid you had that imagination thing going of what's inside there. What does it look like? We walk around. I I dreamed about that a lot. Even to the point when Luke takes his lightsaber to to hack open uh, the belly of the walker and throw in the, the the thermal detonator there, the grenade. Like I I would be like, is that like the floor? Like did the imperial <laughs> officer like look down and see the blue saber coming through? So is that I've the had, septic tank. Yeah. 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 Right. So I've had those thoughts. So. um and, and describing the 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 Jawas having a you know a, a lounge deck on top is still one of my favorite little details. Yeah. Uh, now I want this. We might not get it. I will temper my expectations. It sounds good. We'll speculate responsibly. We can dream. We can dream. Uh, he does say this. Esposito, Esposito said, "I uh, I meaning Gideon. I'm trying to harness some energy and some powers for a path that could be best for all." And there's a little bit of. Uh, Dark side, not necessarily dark side force, but just that dark side temptation maybe being at play. Some strands of truth in what Gideon is saying, and it's hard to turn away from it. That's a time-honored Star Wars thing for me, Joseph. I'm excited about what that could be. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, if what S, not Esposito, we, we know what his perspective is because he, he's been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I say that with great love. He's a great actor. Uh, um, but he has been talking about The Mandalorian more. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think if we got into Moff Gideon's perspective and is this going to be similar or different to some of the sort of remnant empire philosophy that we've seen where it's like, I don't, believe in you know some of the stuff the empire did but order order um it'd be interesting if he has some you know i I think all of this still is going toward he wants to harness the you know be fascinated to see if they actually say midi-chlorians but he wants to fascinate or or, you know get get the force power of the child to either give to himself or to power some machine or you know i know some people think it'll connect back to palpatine but it would be really interesting to me if Moff Gideon discovered that, oh, this whole empire of the machine, the machine of the empire is built around this dark wizard, this old Sith. And I don't think, I think it's, I think I need that power, but I'll use it differently. That would be really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, throwing that dark saber, cloning dark science, secrets only the Sith knew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but there I, am I at it. <laughs> yeah, there am I at it. And I don't, I don't think if, if you're asking me to make just a, a straight ahead prediction, I don't think much of what he's talking about would connect to Palpatine as much as I would love that. And other people, and maybe, and maybe it does. Maybe it does. I'm not saying it doesn't, but just, it seems like this show loves playing in its own sandboxes. You hear often, but we'll see. And, and that was part of this article too here. One of my final thoughts on this article, Joseph is there was, they do go into the Favreau Filoni relationship as best you can in an entertainment weekly fall TV movie uh, preview issue. Um, they talk about Favreau saying, hey, Filoni, he's, he is my encyclopedia, but he also realized the Star Wars needs to be fun. Uh, I would come up with something. I do the bulk of the writing, but then Dave would say, hey, you can't do this. Uh, you, you cannot do that, but how about this? I, I was, that's some interesting stuff. So seeing that Dave's would maybe want to go, hey, could we take it this way? Maybe specific to Palpatine or something better. Who knows? Maybe the Bendu shows up for all we know. Um, <laughs> I, I was in, I'm intrigued by that. I'm interested by that. That work. yeah, yeah. I thought it came out on Disney Gallery, and I like how explicit they were in this article. Um, I think it is the this great uh, synergy of of the new and the old from lots of different perspectives. Um, I, I feel like some of the things in Mandalorian season one are really Favreau straining toward that perspective that I feel I know well because we're generally of the same generation, grew up with the original trilogy, you know, and, and some of the questions about the Mando stuff like it that's really Favreau straining toward the I like the idea that they're kind of nomadic and that it's not a race it's a creed and I'm going to kind of try to make that work within the existing Star Wars um, mm-hmm. galaxy you know he's, he's wanting to play with all of these Kenner figures that he had as a kid and imagined so he's got this very original trilogy let's go crazy and have fun and I think Filoni has not only like the deep thematic uh, ideas uh, that that Lucas really, you know, taught to him. I think Filoni also has such a great understanding and respect that not every Star Wars fan grew up an original trilogy fan and how to bridge that divide, uh, you know, both in just what characters do we use, but also like the philosophy of, you know, what is Star Wars or what isn't, what feels Star Wars, what doesn't feel Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got this, Filoni's got this real big perspective and, and I love how much they, talk about balancing each other out yeah i i love what you said there just in terms of feloni and sometimes i don't know if you listen to us long enough sometimes we'll 
we'll do a little fun poke at the legend of Dave Filoni that sometimes is uh, built even, you know, in spite of what he would think of himself, sometimes the man in the cowboy hat becomes bigger than, than maybe even he thinks he is. But that said, I, I do really love what you said there, Joseph. That I think he has a full understanding that uh, a lot of different entry points into Star Wars, something that's close to our force center hearts here. And uh, Favreau, as much as I love him, I think sometimes represents a lot of those that I know who are like, there's one way in and one way out. And <laughs> nothing that John has pounded his fist on, on a conferencing table and said that. Obviously, I don't know that. I'm just saying... You get that vibe. You just get that vibe, and and to to know that they they found a way uh, after Kathleen Kennedy suggested it to find find a way to work together. Uh, I I really love it, and gives me faith that as this second season starts to spin off into bigger moments, bigger characters, bigger stakes, uh, and the cast list grows, that it will stay to the, the things that I love, the, the core of season one of Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm. I think it's going to go to new places and I think it is going to celebrate a lot of different parts of Star Wars that we already know. Uh, if you're a, you know, a prequel person, an original trilogy, a sequel or all of them, I think it's going to celebrate all of them. And I'm, I'm really excited to see both the new and the old. The new and the old. So we'll find out soon enough. Mandalorian season two starts dropping October 30th. Uh, on Disney Plus, at least here in the states and other places, I, I'm sure there's uh, there's still some release schedules. And when Disney Plus is available, we understand that. Uh, we don't mean to make it just centric to our time zones here, but that's kind of where the big drop will happen. We'll keep you updated. And yeah, Mandalorian report will return without a doubt as we talk about the episodes. And yes, when that trailer drops, we will definitely dive on into every frame. It's probably <laughs> dropping right now while we're recording. <laughs> Speaking of other news from last week, you know, I got to say, Joseph, this is one we, we talk about what we sometimes want to or don't want to talk about with our Star Wars discussions. On the surface, this was something that I, I didn't necessarily want to dive into. But as the week went on and, and you and I talked about planning this week's episode, yeah, this is definitely something I, I feel we should address and, and, and talk about. And, and this was uh, Josh Gad talks to his friend Daisy Ridley and all hell breaks loose. Um, <laughs> Josh Gad was uh, guest hosting Jimmy Kimmel Live from his back patio. I love at one point when the helicopter flies over. <laughs> yes. Gad live in Burbank. Um, so we have the clip. It, it, I mean, I almost want to play it, but I don't think we necessarily need to do it. A lot of people have said it. We've, we've got the quotes pulled. It, a bigger interview, obviously. This was just, um, I thought there was a lot of fun behind this section of the interview. Uh, and that's my first question to you, Joseph. When I finally watched it, and, and that's key. This news broke, all the think pieces and the podcasts and the thumbnails and all the spinning happened. And I started to become uh, Luke with the lightsaber hammering on, on Peter <laughs> in hand. And I, I, I have to remind myself, I say that more to point fingers at myself. Um, I actually find it was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. Because uh, sometimes I will admit, sometimes if it's smaller, like say the bigger Boyega article and interview. Yeah, I read it. You need to read it. Get the full context. But a little tweet that people are spinning into stories, I might not, I might not even go down that path. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's the right way to approach it. That's just me. So this one, three days after the drama, Joseph, I was like, let me finally watch this. <laughs> then I watched it. I was like, nah, I mean, this was a fun moment. How is this? I get it. I get it. But how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with, I'm with you. Uh, definitely. Uh, this is a, this is an opportunity for me to fight the dark side because uh, there's I get mad about the way we talk about uh, these kinds of stories. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, the sequel trilogy on screen, which we're going to talk about more, if you think it works, uh, as you and I think largely think it works, great. If you think it doesn't work, totally understandable opinions and tastes about films. But then there's like the how do we talk about the behind the scenes? Um, and I watched this right away because I, I, the first headline I saw, I think, was Daisy Ridley finally opens up and reveals the truth she was supposed to be a Kenobi. <laughs> like at right. this point, I'm so trained to those headlines spinning things like that. Like, I'm going to go watch the thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, the actual headline is Daisy Ridley politely answers friendly question on late night talk show about normal creative process. <laughs> and you you can have any opinion you want about, you know, what that creative process is and what it means to your enjoyment of the film and all that stuff. But I, my, my first point with this discussion is I am really tired of headlines spinning things to be um, more dramatic than they are or just not taking the honest context of the actor's into mind that that's the thing that like daisy really wasn't sitting there and going like i'm sitting on this important truth and i need to finally i can't keep this secret any longer (laughs) i'm gonna call a press conference and reveal the truth right she she politely answered a question from a personal friend that she's worked with they have an ongoing years old joke about him being a huge star wars fan this kind of flowed out of a conversation, a joking, fun, late night talk show conversation. And I get that the piece of information might be really important to uh, Star Wars fans and particularly Star Wars fans who who really invest a lot in the behind the scenes creative process. I get that the information could be important, but from poor Daisy release perspective, in my opinion, like she just gave a standard talk show interview. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, we'll dive into some of the specifics. And uh, to me, this is, you know, taking some of the frustrations aside, this this is a, a pineapple on pizza debate. I am uh, someone who would, whose favorite pizza for years has been pineapple and ham, Joseph. All right. Um, yep. Nothing I can tell you that will make you like that if you don't. <laughs> and there's nothing you can tell me that will make me turn on pineapple and ham pizza. It's just a thing, right? So I we fully acknowledge here at Force Center. There's a lot of people who are generally, by the way, generally still super, super Star Wars positive, happy Star Wars fans who live functional lives who don't like Rise of Skywalker or don't like a lot of the big connections and reveals in Rise of Skywalker. We we always acknowledge that. We we and if we if it seems like we've never acknowledged it, let us acknowledge it now. Not everyone is pounding fists and 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 spinning this stuff, but at the end of the day, that's kind of the thing. If you didn't like the reveal. If you do feel they shoved Palpatine in there, uh, which I, I actually do think is understandable, and I do think that was part of the, their process, you were going to look at every little thing to 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 prove that point that pineapple on pizza is bad. Um, and I'm going to be like, but sweet and sour combine the greatness. <laughs> um, and you like you and I like to focus on the story, not not for blinders on, which you know some of the tweets coming our way this week have been, but for that's what's the final result. Um, and if if you will allow me, Joseph, can I pull that pin out of the wall? Oh, please pull pull the Casablanca pin. 1942, Casablanca is released. One of the great movies of all time. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I saw it a little bit later in life, and I it actually helped me, I think, appreciate it even more. I also went to film school, studied screenwriting for a while. That movie consistently is brought up as a 
perfect story, perfect structure. All the themes you talked about, Joseph. Robert McKee, the late, great Robert McKee story. Robert McKee, the great screenwriting book and teacher and coach, used to hold seminars in which this movie was studied. Howard uh, Koch, one of the screenwriters of this film uh, and interviews has said, uh, you can look him up and said, we shot this in order, which is very rare for films. You don't shoot a lot of films in order unless you're David Lynch in that great movie about the old man on the mower, which I forget the name of the, <laughs> the straight story. Thank you. Shot it great in order. Film. Great film indeed. Uh, Sutton theaters. Um, it, it, you know, uh, Casablanca was shot in order because according to one of the screenwriters, we were writing it as we were shooting it. Mm-hmm. And we did not know if uh, uh, Bogart was going to end up with Ingrid Bergman. We did not know the ending. And in fact, the famous Louis, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, was not even shot on set over in Van Nuys, actually on location at the airport there. It was dubbed in later because they hadn't thought of it yet. Yeah, now, because Hal B. Wallace was deciding between two different lines for months. Yeah, for months. Now, I am not saying Rise of Skywalker is Casablanca. Please. <laughs> I'm not saying that, though I enjoy Rise of Skywalker. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying I get really, really frustrated. Not anger. Not just back away from anger. I get frustrated. But a lot of people, even people I know, who know the process, who know the creative process, and are willingly spinning a a, a comment like this or, or a series of comments that we're still going to talk about into there's no plan and all those kind of things. Yeah. You know what? They're, they, they did pass the ball and there are some things maybe looking back like you could say, and even I would say, yeah, you know, maybe a team meeting might've been in place. And I know JJ went to Santa Monica and m- made movies on his own and didn't want him. I, that, that, those are facts and I get it. And there's some threads and you might point to her parents and this and that and, and little connections again, pineapple on pizza. Um, but I, that's the frustration. This is a time honored tradition. And I'll say this as someone who's written screenplays, studied screenplays, do all those things and written uh, a lot of narrative and you have too, Joseph, but I don't want to force you to, to agree with me here. There, I, there it, won't be, you, you won't need to. <laughs> yeah. If you plan uh, something, a story in 2012 and 2013, then you go make your story and you stringently hold to the plan that that shows me you might not have connected to the characters in the way that you think stories move characters guide you in the directions you need to go and you can find the connections there all right george r, r. martin's still writing his damn books because he can't figure out his endings because he admits to writing himself into corners um i'm not saying that's the perfect thing every i also enjoy save the cat which is a beat by beat way to write a screenplay all right um all i'm saying end of rant joseph please take the micro microphone away from me as we just dive into her senses it's just it's <laughs> It's disingenuous. It's disingenuous. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll pass the mic for rant because this one has been uh, bothering me for a long time. Uh, for one thing, I just don't think there was, there's interesting information in what she said, but yeah. we know that Ryan Johnson made the choice uh, that Ray was no one. And uh, we know that Abrams and Terrio is like, we think there's something more to be gained out of a little bit more to the story than that. We already know those things. Uh, the information that they considered Kenobi at one point is interesting, new information, but not at all surprising to me that they considered that. Mm-hmm. And then the new information that uh, once the Palpatine choice had been made, uh, there were still some points in the process where they're like, ooh, are we, are we sure we really want to uh, go this down this way? Let's check ourselves. Like, um, that part of it is new information, but to me, the whole big picture story is still like, yeah, there was a, a fluid creative process uh, to decide 
the exact story of Ray's lineage. Um, we know that there are other things in the sequel trilogy that had been planned out a little bit more because we have Adam Driver talking about like, yeah, JJ and I have been talking about this since the beginning. We know where Kylo's Ben is going to end up. Mm-hmm. The discussion is exactly how to get him there and, and connect all these dots along the path. So like, it's not that the whole sequel trilogy is unplanned. It's like, yeah, absolutely. There's some uh, changes along the way and there's some question of ideas along the way. And all of that for me just... That is the creative process up to a point. And the thing that bothers me is if if you watch the films and you think that they don't make sense, they don't track, um, I, I personally disagree with that. Uh, I like Pineapple on the sequel trilogy. Um, if, you, if you just don't think it works when you're watching it on screen, all power to you that is you know your your choice you're right you're feeling great i totally get it what bothers me is saying they had no plan as though it's a smoking gun to prove a point uh and this is where i really agree with your rant creative process is different for lots of people somebody like like david lynch just follows his instincts a he makes a plan up to a point, but the, but he loves the creative process. He wants to find a surprising spark. Uh, Werner Herzog is like that as well. A lot of the great uh, sort of auteurs are very much about like, what do we uh, discover in the moment? What do we discover along the journey? And even people who I think want to plan things out more and try to plan things out uh, make discoveries along the way. For me, the there is no plan. I get it if you feel like that's what shows up on screen. So it upsets you to to hear the validation that there wasn't a plan. But I don't think that this particular trilogy is so greatly unplanned in comparison to so much that people have enjoyed um, over the years. Uh, I mean, I understand that people have differences of opinion on this, but hey, the, the Leia as sister, the Vader as father, those things were not locked in. Uh, in the prequel trilogy, uh, Lucas wanted to tell a whole story about Boba Fett. Lucas wanted to give us a bunch more information about how Qui-Gon discovers the path to immortality. What do you know? Plans change. He ran out of room and he yeah. did a whole animated series. Uh, it wasn't because he didn't have a plan. It's because things changed in the creative process and he realized, I want Revenge of the Sith to stay absolutely focused on Anakin's fall. And, oh yeah, there was a whole side thing about uh, jealousy uh, between of Anakin towards Obi-Wan and Padme's relationship. And there are like little hints of that left in the film, but that's all gone too. So there've been changes in Star Wars from the very beginning. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you look at some of the other big things that are going on in our modern uh, pop culture world at DC. L- look at how many times DC has changed direction, you know, with the point of, you know, now there's going to be entirely different cuts <laughs> of all these films I- yeah. existing. Um, I love the MCU. The MCU is a massive, massive achievement. But to to say that there was always this one all-encompassing plan, there's a bunch of missteps in the MCU. Two major characters, Bruce Banner and Rhodey, are entirely recast with different actors. There are several romances in the MCU that start and then go absolutely nowhere. There's a romance between Black Widow and the Hulk. Uh, in Civil War, we get this big kiss between uh, Steve Rogers and Agent 13. And then like, yeah, no, let's forget about it. There's 
ample interviews with the Russo brothers and the screenwriters playing with lots of different ideas of how to actually wrap up the Infinity War story and, and moments of them questioning, ooh, did we, should we have done the time travel thing? Was the time travel thing the right choice? Uh, the Hobbit, the actual book, The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien went back and rewrote because when he wrote The Hobbit, he had no idea he was going to write The Lord of the Rings and Gollum was like a much more fun, lovable character. And he's like, wait, no, it's not a fun, invisible ring like a little, you know, gift you'd get at Denny's in the magical Denny's world. It is this horrible totem of evil power. Yeah, that's not reflected in my fun kids book. So I'll go back and literally rewrite it after it has been published. So for me, there is a whole history in storytelling of moments where you could say, oh, but there wasn't a complete plan. And again, I completely agree with you. It's all subjective about what's on screen. If if you don't like what's on screen, it'll make you more upset that, that you feel like that happened because there wasn't a cohesive plan. But for me to just say there is no plan is evidence that something is bad is really uh, frustrating because to me it's a part of creative process and you can see it across the entire history of genre storytelling of times where it's not that there isn't a plan, it's that people changed or adapted along the way or started down alleys that they decided not to pursue. That is storytelling to me. Yeah. Uh, and I got a feeling too that um, if you don't like that pineapple on your Star Wars pizza, even if they produced a 75-page plan, you'd be like, that plan is <laughs> bad. So that's yeah. a lack of a plan against it. Uh, which, you know, especially if you were, say, defending uh, uh, Last Jedi when people were like, oh, see, he didn't write a moment for Luke and uh, 3PO. He didn't have a plan uh, and nor understand his characters and, and and ignoring, you know, and then having and say, no, that's what happens on set. If you suddenly now are against it, it's convoluted. Um, I get it. Um, and we don't mean to rant, I, I, but I do. But because I'm because I just I just I've grown tired of it. And then I've grown tired of of people with names and many numbers on the end of it constantly, <laughs> you know, these bots tweeting us and this and that. Just like, you know, I, I've been pitching one particular animated show with a group of friends for 11 years now. The story changes after every pitch because we have to make adjustments. That's the way it works. That's the creative process. And that's why we here want to engage with the story on the screen, sir. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, apologies if, if my rant uh, got a little bit more heated. Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to have opinions uh, sometimes. And uh, again, anybody who just dislikes what's on screen, I respect your subjective opinion. But I do feel like if we're going to spend this much time talking about what is going on behind the scenes, I wish that we would engage with the um, more more details and in, in nuance about the creative process. It's not that if you have a plan, the movie is good. If you do not have a plan, the movie is bad. That, right. to me, is just an, an oversimplification that I disagree with and tends to frustrate me. Yeah, and I've seen some stuff, uh, one tweet, tweet thread, uh, this is a couple weeks ago, just like, hey, some of the stuff in Fallen Order would have would have worked if they applied some of that to, to Rise of Skywalker. And I didn't agree with it, but I read it and went like, yeah, yeah no, no, that's that's some, that's some good, comes from a good spot and comes from, an, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, con connecting to something to Fallen Order that you didn't connect with Rise of Skywalker. That, that stuff, 
that's not what we're talking about here. So um, do you want to go through a little bit what she said and have our thoughts on that? Or, or <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah, let's see if there's anything there, because I think uh, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we did cover a lot. She says at the beginning they were towing with an Obi-Wan connection. Yeah, that, that I mean, I remember that was some of the speculation. There were some of the stories that, hey, that's why you had uh, Ray. These are your first steps and it might lead to the Kenobi movie and all those kind of things. So I would say there was nothing new. It's something that I I was, I think my thoughts were always Kenobi or Palpatine before the idea of no one entered into it. We're talking going in and around episode seven era. Um, I, I was intrigued by that idea. There was something I liked it only because it made me, I don't know. I took a little bit of the emphasis off of Ray, which I don't agree with, but I want this to be her story. But I, I think I was more like, yeah, make her a Kenobi because then I want to know about what Kenobi was doing in that hut. <laughs> yeah. That it does, it takes the focus off of her, yeah, yeah, and it does. And in the end, it does. Um, uh, there were she says there were like different versions, and then it really went to that she was a no one. And that that use of the word really, it really went to uh, she was no one, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you come out of Rise of Skywalker, that's that's what's there, and and you and I, you really, mean Last Jedi, uh, Last Jedi, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, you and I really enjoyed that then and we enjoy that sentiment now but i also you know bigger discussion we think sometimes that can be a little convoluted or used uh, incorrectly if, if you know what i mean coming out of eight into nine but that does, that wasn't the end of the story yeah um, yeah so i'm not surprised with that sentence i guess yeah, like that's not new information because that's what the general uh, interpretation of the fan community was. Um, you know, I think we talked about like, well, you know, it is Kylo saying it to her. Maybe there's something more to the story. But, you know, like uh, Ryan Johnson is, you know, an artist who, who really chooses to talk about his process and pretty quickly and Google it. There are quotes. <laughs> He's just like, I, I listed them all and I picked no one. And I fully respect that there are a lot of people who on just like a deep emotional level connect with the idea of Ray. Uh, from nowhere and if you you connect with that more emotionally and it it works better for you and and you feel sadness about the Palpatine thing totally get that and respect that opinion yeah and I would still um, put back to you that uh, she she chooses to remain Ray from nowhere but bigger conversation uh, she says JJ pitched uh, quote Palpatine is your granddaddy and I was like awesome <laughs> Uh, and I love that. I love that as a, as a performer. She was like, great. This is not that not saying anything against no one, but like, okay. Cause she played that well, but, uh, to, to find that and to dig in and wow, I'm connected to a great evil. She seemed to, uh, have much excitement to that idea. She says, follow but two weeks later, oh, we're not sure. And then she just say, uh, why even filming? I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. And then that, that again, you know, but you know, by the way, force awakens, there's deleted stuff of, Finn yelling Kira, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stuff changes. So, uh, I don't know. Thoughts, thoughts, number one, her excitement for uh, playing that, uh, angle, Joseph, and then, uh, just the whole, we're not sure of it all. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, the, the, we're not sure of it all. Like I get it. I understand that there's a, you know, uh, desire to think like, well, what, what's, what's the meaning? What's the big picture? And I think, uh, for me, uh, the reason that I'm not bothered by it and and it seems like, you know, to interpret her casual late night talk show interview where she's like, great, uh, f figure out, you know, whatever the answer is, then I as an actor need to figure out, well, what's the emotional truth for the character? How does a character react to that? And uh, therefore, how do I how do I play it? What journey does this character go on? And I think that's for me why uh, I'm ultimately 
really like the arc and think it works because I think it is emotionally from the perspective of the character Ray, a, a really clear arc of, you know, I don't, I don't, I just want my, I just want to be belong. I don't know who I am. Oh, I have this power. I'm kind of afraid of it. I don't want to use it. Uh, it feels like uh, somebody needs to use it. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking Luke for help. I'm, I'm asking Ben to take the sword. Oh, I have to take the sword and I don't have any direction. I have uh, no, no place in the story. Um, okay, I will try to use this power. I'm really afraid of this power because I don't quite know how to use it and I'm, I'm afraid of hurting people with it. Uh, and, oh, it's not that I have no place in the story. I have the worst place in the story. All of that still adds up to me. We get a story of a character who finds out that they have great power and no matter what, they can get guidance. Uh, they can get manipulated by the bad guys. But at the end of the day, that's their power, wherever it came from, and they have to choose how to use it. And I feel like, for me, that's why what's on screen works, because it's not about who was or wasn't, you know, my my lineage. You know, do we get to tell a weird story about how the emperor ended up with a grandkid or a weird story about how Kenobi ended up with a grandkid? Yeah. What matters is what does it mean for the character of Rey? And for me, I feel like, between no one, between Palpatine, even if she had ended up a Kenobi, the question, the theme, the idea was always going to be, well, whatever came before, I've got the power now and I need to choose how to use it and I need to choose the person I want to be. And that's what I feel find powerful in her arc and powerful in her story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely there. Four center, well said. So... <laughs> That kind of brings to close on this when I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll pop up in a couple weeks again or something like that. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I'm not joking. Top of the show, we're talking about, hey, uh, how you respond and how you process things. And and yeah, I did this. I struggled with this one, you know, earlier in the week. This was making me, this was making me upset. And a lot of things have made me upset. And, 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 and in a way, over the last, you know, few months, years, even as a Star Wars fan. Uh, but it goes back to what you were talking about, Joseph. It's a thing. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Where do you want to put your uh, your joy, your love, your passion? What, what legacy do you want to leave as a Star Wars fan? Because we all have a legacy we're leaving as Star Wars fans. There's people in your life, uh, youngsters, kids, children, people listening to the podcast you have, to the podcast we have. What do you want to put out there? And yes, there are things where I go, huh, oh, they did that. Oh, that wasn't as as, fav uh, as favorite a choice as I, uh, you know, as I, w I wanted. But um I want to, I want to talk about, I want to leave the legacy of man, what a fun world. And <laughs> I love the stories presented and the themes there. So anyways, end of rant, I guess it's time to go on to a new thing we can be mad about. No? <laughs> yes. I think that that sounds good. A couple stories here. We'll go through them here. Uh, Star Wars, High Republic, not mad about this one at all. Uh, that was a joke. A uh, comic series preview. This is the uh, Kevin Scott written Star Wars, the High Republic main series issue one preview. We got uh, the coloring wasn't finished, but it's on StarWars.com. It looks great. We are introduced to uh, Keeve Trennis, a Padawan to the one-armed Trandoshan, Trandoshan Jedi Master Skier. So, <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, we, we've been interested in Skier. Great. I love it. One-armed Trandoshan Jedi Master named Skier. Come on. That's everything I want. 
<laughs> I can't wait for that figure. Um, in this series, uh, uh, Keeve Atrenis will experience her Jedi trials. And recently, with a great listener question, Joseph, we discussed the trials. And what do we think about maybe finally seeing them in their full canon glory here in the pages of this comic and this series? Ooh, I'm super excited. I'm super excited that that's what this, uh, at least this beginning arc seems to be about, or maybe just that one single issue. Uh, it's written by Kevin Scott. Uh, I think he, for my personal taste, he's one of the best uh, writers in Star Wars. He's written some of the, the short story uh, in the, from a certain point of view, is my favorite. The Dooku, Jedi Lost, all sorts of great stuff. Um, so I really trust him uh, for my own Star Wars taste that he's going to write something that I like. I also get the vibe that in this comic, just from the way it was set up, that we might hear a little bit about what the standard Jedi trials might be back at the temple, but mm -hmm. that maybe this is something that Skier has set up that's really unique to uh, Kiev, is it? Uh, yeah, Kiev. Yeah, Kiev, uh, yeah. Uh, it seems like... Uh, like, because Kevin Scott's the one who wrote a little bit of the sort of very formal uh, Padawan, mm. picking out a Padawan procedure in Dooku Jedi Lost. And, right. you know, this is 200 years earlier, so maybe it's a, you know, different uh, system. Um, but I like the vibe that maybe we'll hear through this comic of, like, if you're at the temple and you just go through, like, the trials, like the SATs, this is how they normally work. But I, skier awesome one-armed Grand Ocean Jedi Master recognize that you, Keeve, have specific challenges and I've set up this different trial on a remote planet for you. Mm, yeah, I like that idea. Taking it to the streets. That's what I That's like. That's right. <laughs> mm. Trials in the streets. Yeah. Uh, we got a good 70s rock-themed Jedi trial coming. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's I, I love that, and 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 I continue to just continue. I just continue to be a little more and more interested in the High Republic every day. And it started from a, a pretty, you know, hey, excited new era. Um, but what's there for me as a specific Star Wars fan? That's a question we all all can ask from time to time. And and there's these little things and fun things. And I enjoyed reading the preview and going, all right, we're we're in an era I've never explored before. Going to be pretty fun. All right, final uh, big news story of the day here. Uh, this morning, the time of our recording, uh, yesterday when you were, uh, if you're listening, the Squadron's short film was released, uh, The Hunted, Hunted, right? Um, mm -hmm. I forgot to write that part down. I just watched <laughs> it and, dive, uh, and took a dive into the show. This was about a seven-minute short film, like an actual short film, uh, introducing you to basically to this uh, character on the Imperial side, Varko Gray, who is listed on the uh, databank um, here in Star Wars. So I don't want, you know, eventually when uh, we do some more databank brawls, I'm sure Varko Gray might come <laughs> up there. Um, but some uh, Varko Gray starts as a police officer, armed Parkella, uh, fighting to keep order in the face of corruption and injustice. He joined up uh, as an Imperial TIE pilot, seeing the Empire as the only hope for a Kata galaxy. It's a theme that's been there before, and, and, I, and I like exploring it. Uh, beating the odds to survive the battle after uh, to survive battle after battle, much to the relief of his husband Emery. Gray's skills and experience eventually earned him promotion to Titan. Leader. So he has wrestled internally, Joseph, with the Empire's methods, but he's seen too many Thai pilots sacrifice their lives for Imperial ideals to reject them now. All right. 
uh, we're going to talk about the the short here. I want to start though with this character. What do you feel about this character uh, and this view on a on an imperial uh, agent of evil, if you will? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, really compelling. I like uh, what is said in the databank. I like uh, for the character what we saw in the short. Spoiler: I thought the short was awesome. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it's such an interesting idea because it has been explored a little bit. Uh, I think in Lost Stars uh, with uh, Sienna. Um, and definitely in Alphabet Squadron uh, of uh, people who are in the Empire and they slowly realize, oh, wow, the Empire is doing really, really bad things. And I don't know if I can be on board with that, but I have this different perspective where either I've seen, you know, you know, uh, uh, chaos and, and I think the Empire has brought order or the specific like, well, whatever, I've been with these other pilots and I need I need to stay with them because I, they're my friends and I don't want them to die. Uh, on one hand, I really love the the humanizing and getting you know into that uh, TIE fighter pilot or stormtrooper helmet and seeing the perspective of the individual. I really like that. I really want that story. But I, for myself, I'm hoping that the story of the video game does remind you that big picture, the Empire is the bad guys they are even if it looks like they sometimes do some okay things they are led (laughs) by a sith lord who slaughters uh people for pleasure it it, it, and for greed and for all sorts of bad things the empire is bad so i love the humanity of getting their perspective but i i do hope for it to be balanced out by being reminded of the big picture yeah, and look, I would love, uh, I don't even know if this would happen in the game, so I don't want to create false expectations for myself, but imagine Varco Gray and Ray Sloan sitting down having a conversation about the reasons why they joined versus why they're still here now and what do they want to do. I don't know. That'd be pretty interesting if they have something like that there. Yeah, I would love that. You know, and we're going to get, uh, I think, more perspective with Moff Gideon too. So I think there, there's mm-hmm. ample opportunity to play with this era and with the perspectives mm-hmm. and the whys. As far as the film itself, really good. A lot of people are saying it reminds me of some of that 90s X-Wing Rogue Squadron uh, video games, books, comics, whatever you, you want to throw in there. Uh, and it was great dogfighting. You particularly enjoyed that, right, Joseph? Yeah, no, I thought the actual short was just massively effective. It was not only just like the really cool uh, dogfight, cool maneuvers, cool range of everything from out there in space, you know, the the hiding from one another in the wreckage to buzzing through that planet of our and just beautiful scenery. Uh, but then the fact that it was just kind of incredibly well-written and well-directed to make you feel it, to make you feel the terror of Varco Gray trying to survive, just like, you know, it, it was a, a, a dog fight that you could really feel. Mm. Yeah. And I love the, just uh, the use of, Hey, a star destroyer flies overhead, but this one's exploding kind of playing on the, on uh, that thing there. And then the idea of, uh, I don't know. I'm just like the thing you don't think about as a kid when you're watching this and force awakens really kind of dealt with this, the, the graveyard of the giants, but just like the war is over and everything's fallen to the planets. <laughs> it's just destruction raining down a win or lose. I just like that. I like, uh, it makes me think about, uh, on a kind of this micro level of the war, the actual war in the galaxy and what it was doing. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I just some of it I liked. I liked the hiding in the uh, wreckage. I thought that was. Oh my god! Good. Yeah, really good, really good stuff. And and to get uh, kind of up up front and personal on the, the war is over. Uh, sound like uh, um, 
Sound like he, uh, he was uh, related to that uh, Jedi. We like the cowboy Jedi. Um, <laughs> uh, from the, the Qui-Gon story. Why am I drunk? Uh, Rael Avros. Yeah. yeah Rael Avros. Thank you. I was dr- totally, uh, I was, I was going to say Sam Elliott. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, highlights for me. It was fun. I sat down just, I, I think like you, you know, believe it or not, folks, I can occasionally get cynical about some uh, Star Wars marketing. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, short film. Got it. Got it. Got it. Gameplay. Yeah, we're going to see a bobblehead in the X-Wing. Got it. Got it. Got it. And, you know, and it started and immediately just uh, it was uh, way better than expected or way better than I was gonna, willing to give it a chance uh, to be up top. And that that's on me. And it was, it was a good piece of Star Wars uh, storytelling. Yeah. Incredibly well done, I thought. Well done, indeed. We're almost out of here. Uh, they did release the big Lego Cantina uh, Star Wars set. <laughs> um, I have no room in my life for it right now. Um, but I'm excited. I have the mini one they released a while ago that I haven't put together, but it's got Figur and Dan and the modal nodes. It's got to do back. Mm. Got a lot of that stuff. I think it even has Wu hair. But uh, yeah, I, I have the Cloud City set that I haven't been able to put together. And it's the same type of thing. You just stare at it and go, the possibilities of, are endless if you're if you're a Lego Star Wars fan like I am. Um, and I, ju- I know, Joseph, you are a fan, but don't, maybe don't collect them um, as much. But uh, I don't know. The Wu hair one, you building a Wu hair bar and, and something <laughs> right about that. Yeah, I mean, the Lego Cantina uh, always wants, the, the the Cantina in particular makes me want to be an eccentric millionaire and have like a different room in my home for every Lego set. And I, you know, yeah, if, if I bought that, it would, I would literally just have to step over that Cantina in the middle of my living room. There's just, <laughs> I'm love running it. out of space for things yeah. I love, but it's so cool. It's so exciting. I love that it comes with so many characters uh, from the Cantina. Um, and, uh, this, this Thursday, we're going to be talking about, uh, all the bars of star Wars. So it got me even more excited to talk about it. Looking at that Cantino, uh, Cantina Lego set. It looks great. So uh, that is a look at star Wars news before we get out of here and take a quick break and answer your questions. We're going to do our four center recommends an audiobook We think you should try out on us. What do we have, Joseph? That's right. We're still recommending Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn. We're going to lock down soon when we're going to be talking about it, but we will discuss it soon. Absolutely. You're going to discuss it soon. And uh, we are going to take a quick break. But on the other side, we're going to take your questions here on Force Center. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Force Center, this is the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. 
one of our longer news episodes because we felt we had uh, a bunch of things we wanted to take the time to address, Joseph. But now we are back and we're here to answer those questions from our four center listeners. That is right. There was a ton of news and a ton of news worthy of nuance. And hopefully we nuanced our way through the news so we can have some fun audience questions. We always get questions from Twitter and from Patreon. First up from Twitter, uh, this is uh, another Star Wars podcast. We've been There's so many wonderful Star Wars podcasts. We've been getting uh, great questions from Star Wars podcasts. This one is called Conversations with the capital SW is in Star Wars. So, Ken, let's have a conversation. Uh, the question is... Which rebel do you think would be the most adaptable to any skirmish? Chewie, Vimerati, or Poe Dameron? Now, this is amazing because a lot of times people throw out questions and just like throw it open to like, which rebel of any of them? But we've got three options. We got a drop down menu for the most <laughs> adaptable. For you, is it Chewie, Vimerati, Poe Dameron, and why? Well, I think, first of all, I'll say the reason I think they phrased the question was this way with some choices is they know that the obvious answer is nine numb and we <laughs> would go there. Or is it um, ten numb? <laughs> it is definitely ten numb. This is this is a great list. I love these choices. Um, there's a case to be made for Poe Dameron. I, we don't see him in action too much on the ground. I mean, if we're, if we're getting down to the micro level, having fun of just really analyzing this, the only time that I can recall really seeing him on the ground, he does get shot in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's um, on the ground a bit in the comic book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he is. He is. I mean, believe me, he deserves, deserves to be in this conversation. But if we're really almost, you know, like I'm a baseball pundit and analyzing a roster here and, and looking at their stats, I'll say that. Now, Vibrati is a, a really great choice. I mean, I, I, if I want to spy, I'm going that way. She has she led a resistance with almost nothing there on Batu, So I think she... She is not only deserves to be in the conversation, she's right there with me. It is hard for me, though, uh, maybe going back to my original trilogy roots, to not choose Chewbacca. Mm. He can fly, he can punch, he can kind of run, but he's got a big blaster to make up for the lack of speed, maybe. <laughs> he can rip an arm out. He's very versatile, very loyal, and it, that strength, is it's just hard if, you, if you're putting a team together and you know that anything could happen. You know, uh, is, is is he a better pilot than Vibarati? Maybe. I, w- I would think so. Is he better on the ground than Poe Dameron? I would say yes. So uh, I'm going to say Chewbacca. Yeah, this was very, very hard. Yeah, because uh, Vimerati and Poe Dameron have both been uh, shown in their stories to be really creative in the way that they adapt to situations and try to see things in a different yeah. way. And Vimerati, you know, and a lot of great stuff in... Uh, the Black Spire book, uh, but also in the Phasma book where we uh, meet her to her skills at espionage, manipulating emotions and situations to her advantage, which has next to nothing to work with. That is highly adaptable. And in uh, Poe's done a bunch of great things too. Um, but I got to give it to Chewbacca and it's not even out of uh, any sort of loyalty to this. There's no, you know, he's my favorite. There is just, He's been alive for a long time. He has had a lot of time to up his various skills. I was thinking along the same path as you. He's obviously a good and experienced pilot. He is obviously physically incredibly strong. He can rip arms out. He's a great shot with that bowcaster. Look at the way he took out that uh, that uh, biker scout on the speeder bike from so far away. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, that bowcaster is extremely uh, explosive now. That was a tough shot to hit uh, Kylo on Starkiller Base, too. So he's, he's great yeah. with the bow. But what really tipped it over to me of 
uh, this isn't just about combat, right? So Chewie is also someone who has been alive for so long and in so many different relationships. He's got a solid moral compass and he understands feelings. He's not afraid of feelings. <laughs> he engages with his feelings and engages with the people around him, how they are feeling. He is just really emotionally in tune with people. And I think there is canonical evidence of his increased strategic ability. It is one of the little chewy arcs I like that uh, he is not the greatest at uh, Dejeric, at Hollow Chest, mm-hmm. Chess in A New Hope, and he's got to threaten 3PO to win and then come around to Rise of Skywalker and our other heroes, Poe and Finn, cannot beat him, not because he's threatening them, but because he's become a legitimate Dejeric strategy master. Oh, wow. I love that you pulled that out. <laughs> well, there you go again. Scrimshaw wows Ken with some <laughs> knowledge he hadn't really... I mean, yeah. It, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Chewy. Chewy. But I mean, I'm having Poe and Vi on my team as well. But. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. For, they're they're all great. But I think Chewy, you know, has, a you know, that couple, you know, several yeah. centuries on him. <laughs> yeah. Not several centuries, but, you know. 90 years old? You look great. You look great. Um, well, I think we had a good conversation. I right think there. we did, too. Thank you for sending that in. And best of luck with your podcast. We wish luck to all the great Star Wars podcasts out there. It's great to see how much uh, conversation there is and how many different perspectives. We're going to move on to our next uh, question, which it comes from Ryan Bullock. Ryan says, we know Snoke had at least one other apprentice. Do you think we will ever learn what happened to this apprentice? Or was this just a, an extra bit of detail to add to Snoke's backstory? This is a juicy one. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts? It's been kind of, you know, mentioned here and there. I think different um, uh, uh, books, uh, virtual guides kind of information, um, some passing references and comics to the possibility of other apprentices. What do, you, what do you think about that? getting that story of did Snoke have mm-hmm. any apprentices and who were they and what's the deal? Let me, uh, let me check the notes here. Did they have, a, did they have a, an apprentice plan? Checking them out. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, jokes aside, I, I love that reveal, and it makes sense because especially what we know now with the Emperor, who was kind of like, love Vader. I'm all in on Vader. Don't trust him as far as I can toss him down a radiator shaft. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have some other backup choices or and, and use, challenge him. And if he catches me, that's what I'll say. Hey, 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 Vader, you passed your test. Um, especially now that we know the whole story and if Snoke's got something going on with Palpatine there and there's some kind of connection in a vat, a, a tube somewhere, um, it would make sense that Palpatine would be, even his spirit would be like, Sith Eternal, gather up some options. I like this <laughs> Solo kid. This might not be it. This might, I've, had, I've got some experience with this not working. Um, and the dark side is strong. The dark side exists and, and people are going to choose to go that way. And there could, I mean, there's got to be, who knows, maybe the Sith Eternal, like, have you met Chet's son? He's pretty evil. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they are performing weird rituals and bringing, you know, weird fruit baskets to the, uh, not even the feet of the emperor. Cause it doesn't look like he has yeah. any, uh, and saying, please, please, we, we want to learn the ways. It's, it, yeah. You know, it, it's like, uh, it's like a, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're just making references there today on that. Just, uh, 
um, you know, the deep thought, the computer, you know, and uh, cool. I'll, I'll get the program started. Come back in 7 billion years. I'll be here. You, you can just check in with me. Uh, you know, Palpatine goes back and, and the process, the Sith Eternal, you got to imagine there's some people around here like, cool, we're getting an army going. We got some cool uniforms going. Uh, you know, we got some superstars. Maybe, maybe Palps will want to use us. I, I totally can get that story. Not that I, I want a Sith Eternal story, story by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I I do think there were some others. I do think there were some other options and that it would be through Snoke that um, they would want to uh, have them uh, have them on the roster, so to speak, and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this uh, this line of thought from Ryan. And it, it was you know one of those bits of little kind of drips of fun canon knowledge uh, that we haven't explored as much. I'm really enjoying right now the ambiguity with Snoke and I'm happy to have some more Snoke storytelling. And uh, by ambiguity, I obviously he is. Palpatine's puppet but does that mean literally like he's a husk and from afar Palpatine is driving or does the being known as Snoke think that he has autonomy and Mm -hmm. he's he is definitely pointed in the direction that Palpatine wants him to go but does he believe or was he at some time his own autonomous being so like there's that ambiguity of like yep he is Palpatine's puppet but exactly how did that work that's all fascinating to me so I'd love to have some storytelling of that at some point. And yeah, since he's pointed in the direction that Palpatine wants, he's pointed in the direction that the dark side wants. Uh, mm. Apprentices uh, are useful tools, therefore a purpose, right? And of course, Ben Solo is the prize because he is young and strong. And from the Palpatine perspective, he is vengeance. Like, all right, you defeated me. <laughs> I will uh, turn, you know, your your son and your nephew and break your hearts along the way while also accomplishing what I want. Um, but we, we've also seen uh, Palpatine Sidious uh, use an uh, apprentice as a useful tool. Like the entire time that he had Dooku as an apprentice, he knew he was going to be trying to trade up for Anakin eventually, right? So I like that idea that it could he Snoke could have a different apprentice to play off against Ben as a backup for Ben, or just like you know what I need some stuff done in this corner of the galaxy. You know I need this chaos caused, so I'm going to tell you you're my apprentice, sure, and I'll raise you up to believe that you're going to be the one and only. And nope, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the, the idea that you, you kind of put in my head there of just like, maybe, maybe Snoke was, you know, Bob Snoke down the hall and, and there's some kind of cloning of him or uh, something different. You know, again, I, I, I made Snoke is pretty clear, but this idea that uh, could that be part of the great, evil energy that was calling to Palpatine all those years, why he was obsessed with the unknown regions. Is it just Exegol? Is it just the Sith Eternal or, or, or was there something else out there? I, you know, somehow, some way getting that storytelling would be fun. I don't need it, but it'd be fun. Yeah. And all the tricks. And I love the idea of, uh, you know, you know, I'm driving around in a Dooku, but I'm going to try to trade up to a Vader. This <laughs> is uh, something I, as, uh, unfortunately, honestly, it can relate to. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he had that name picked out. He was shopping for a Vader, right? Because he had that name ready to go. Absolutely. Great question, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. We're going to move on to our questions from Patreon. Uh, This comes from patron Chris Lentz. Uh, Chris says, 
Every day that passes, I'm more thankful that we didn't get that Duel of the Fates film by Colin Trevorrow. That being said, there's a lot of stuff in that script I wish I could have seen visualized. So it got me thinking, nothing is more comic booky than a solid alternate history story. The comics based on the early Star Wars drafts were trippy and fun as hell. Who wouldn't want a series of Darth Luke stories? Same holds true for this unused script. It's out there. Why not just develop it into a fun and different Star Wars comic story? I don't think I need to see the theft of an Eclipse-class Star Destroyer on screen, but hot damn, do I want to see what a comic artist could do with it. Excellent. Interesting thought. Uh, obviously, this is another, uh, this is our lightning rod episode. Again, good for <laughs> Sith lightning. <laughs> Lots of things that people feel passionately about, ourselves included. I'm uh, currently looking down at my gloved hand with a green lightsaber in it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to fully acknowledge that many people have different and uh, strong opinions about a duel of the fates. And we're going to sort of dive into Chris's specific uh, question. Great thought starter of they've done in the past alternate versions of scripts as comics. Uh, Would we want to see duel of the fates? Um, If you're okay, I'm going to jump in on this one, Ken. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I totally see where Chris is coming from. And I think my answer is I would be happy to see that in like 20 to 15 years. And if Lucasfilm wants it, um, I think for me, a big part of the Duel of the Fates discussion is, well, you know, what's in the script? Which ideas do we as fans like? Which ideas do we not like? Um, That script was leaked from somewhere. It was not released by Lucasfilm. It's not like Lucas saying, yeah, sure. Okay. It's been, you know, whatever amount of years it was at that time, whatever amount of decades it was when they put out the comic book of the early draft of like, yeah, sure. Why not? Because mine has existed forever and it'll be a fun little experiment. To me, this is entirely different. Lucas, it's out there, but Lucasfilm didn't release it. Um, Mm -hmm. It was leaked by someone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a big difference to me. And I feel like even though, yeah, I'd be happy to see lots of different alternate takes in comic book form. And I, I think that's great. But I think this one is um, coming out so close to the film. Would I wouldn't be able to enjoy it because I think it would just inflame all of these discussions about what could have been, what should have been, and all of it would be tied up. And for me, the fact that I feel kind of uncomfortable that the Duel of the Fate script was leaked at all um, because I kind of feel like you know, again, we, we've talked about creative process and my own feelings as a writer and creator come into that. Um, it, it happens in Hollywood all the time that some version of what you did creatively does not get picked as the one. Um, and I feel like, it, you know, wherever the script came from, I don't know. Um, wherever it came from, it, I feel like it shouldn't have leaked. I feel like you should have respect for the version that made it out to the world. Let that version breathe for a while, have respect for those other creators. Uh, and then, you know, years down the line when it's not a hot button issue, if everyone who legally owns the script is on board, uh, then yeah, it's fun to have it. But for me, it's too tied up in these behind the scenes issues of uh, stirring the pot and time and literal ownership. Yeah, literal, literal ownership. Uh, you, g- great job, sir. You, you didn't. You had the lightsaber in your hand, but you, you, you <laughs> held it up, but you didn't. You didn't swing it. Um, this uh, there's some stuff in the script that I absolutely just just hate. Just absolutely hate, I, I, and that leads to suffering, Joseph. Um, 
And you and I have discussed that necessary rage. Uh, you go listen to that episode, but I want to say there's some things I've uh, heard or seen. I know there's some, you know, people have made little animated versions of it. You know, I'll say the battle of course and that idea, whatever's going on there. I definitely intrigued by that. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, the, the more Rose Tico, you and I are definitely on board for that. So yep. there's some things there, but, uh, and, and Chris, this is, this is a great thought starter. I, I, we love, um, love this question here. The stuff, the comics that were released, kind of the alternate timelines and histories. Mark Riley, our friend Mark Riley, big fan of those. And during my time working at Collider, he would be, have you read those? I'd be like, yeah, I didn't read a lot of the comics in the 90s. He's like, dude, you got it, you got it. So one day he just brought all three of them in. And when I was supposed to be working and writing sketches for Jeremy John, <laughs> I read them. And I, I really did enjoy them. But they weren't presented as this is what should have happened in uh, episode seven that was made in 1994 or something like that, you know. And certainly we're not suggesting Chris is, is uh, saying, you know, going and taking that direction. We're just addressing the truth of it. Uh, if Lucasfilm decided to do it, I'd be definitely want to read it and see it. There's Because, again, yeah, give me a battle of Corson. I like my wars. I like my pew pews. And I like Corson. Um, but you know, maybe tweak the other stuff, but yeah, there, there is an issue. I, I would, you know, I would hate to uh, have it be revealed who actually re- re- leaked the, the property of a, a studio, um, to, to anyone out there, but a lot of air quotes. I'm trying to hold back. Um, <laughs> I'd hate to find out who actually did it and which reporter got it. I would hate to find that out. Um, uh, it, it was not done with good intent. So, um, yeah, that's why it remains a hot button issue for me personally. And I, and I've sometimes lashed out with that green lightsaber. But hey, you give me a battle of Coruscant and something else one day. I'll be I'll be there for that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I honestly, I feel the same way, honestly, about the mysterious Lucas treatments. Exactly how long were they? Oh, exactly how much of it does agree with the sequel trilogy? I will, man, I will, uh, I would, I would be cryogenically frozen in order to live long enough to see those come out. I want to see those, right? Yeah. Oh, well, so look, some... I- so some of it for me is like, yeah, absolutely. There's some a couple of cool things in Duel of the Fates, but I just strongly, fundamentally agree with disagree uh, with the thematic conclusion that it came to. But my reaction to this comic is more about the time, giving yeah. giving the existing version space to be the version, giving giving time for a generation to grow up with it and just have it be their Star Wars. And yeah. then it's not a hot button issue. Then it's fun to hear the alternate versions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, you know, I don't want my directors to be sore losers. Anyway, moving on to the next question. (laughs) All right. Our next and final question, uh, which includes zero controversy, I believe, is from uh, James Pokinghorn. James says, we all love the small background characters in Star Wars movies. A lot of them take on a life of their own through toys, books, comics, etc. My question is, if you could choose one background player or small role character to have an extended story as the main character, who would it be and why? For me, I would love to see a Zam Wessel bounty hunter story. I'm right there with you, James. I would love to see more Zam Wessel just changing. Lots of Zam changing. Changing and bounty hunting. Uh, great character. Uh, Ken, who is the background character that you want to see have their own story as the main character? I, James uh, James listens to my baseball podcast, Box Score Heroes. We, we know him around those parts as hit hard, turn left. So he he hit hard and then turn left and left me with a <laughs> tough, tough question here. There's so many to choose from. You know, you, you brought I know you love Boshek and, and the comparison to me standing at the bar being Boshek. I'm not intrigued. The adventures of the guy who almost 
made it, <laughs> made it big. <laughs> I mean, that now more, that, I don't know if that'd be my answer even two weeks ago, but you've, you've got me thinking about Boshek a lot uh, recently. I, I definitely, um, man, I, I, I think it's, yeah, here goes Ken again, but uh, looking at Admiratus and looking at who he was before, uh, before the final moments and, and also knowing that he had some disagreements with Akbar's written into some of their backstory and what that meant. I, I, you know, I'd be intrigued with something like that. Um, uh, a little more details of, of Sabe. And now I don't, I don't want it just to get into like that. kind. Of, I mean, I know what James is, the spirit of James's questions, who just the little characters in the background uh, or the one-offs. Um, learning more about those kind of characters is, is exciting to me. Um, I, I, I will. So I don't know. I'll say that. And then, Still, uh, maybe give me something with Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's Ewok movies. We got all that. But I mean, just drill down on Wicked and Pummet, the the teenage years. You know, Wicked as a kid and has to take him to school. I don't know. I want to see that. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I want to see uh, Paplu, uh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, steal aboard a, uh, a Republic ship as it's leaving and go off. Uh, Paplu the bounty hunter. How about that? Uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, this is such a difficult question because uh, it could be so many answers. Uh, but I just, I closed my eyes and I looked into my heart and the answer came back, Tara Sanube. I, <laughs> I go on about Tara Sanube a lot. Uh, the Jedi featured in one of my very favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, uh, Lightsaber Lost. Uh, just weird, interesting, uh, old person Jedi with a lightsaber cane. I I would love that different perspective. I think that's what I want is like, I'd love something with like Zam Wessel because I think it'd be a real different perspective, right? What happens when you uh, center a changeling bounty hunter as a character, what kind of adventures they have. And I think the adventure of like, what is what was Tara Sanube's last mission before they were like, Tara, yeah. you know, growing old is natural. It is the way of the things. Uh, maybe you should... Uh, how about how about hanging out more in the Jedi archives? What was that last mission when uh, when uh, Tara was getting uh, too old for this Carabast, <laughs> too old for this poodoo? I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's good. There it is. That's what it's. I'm getting too old for this poodoo. The Tara Sanube story. <laughs> Perfect. Great one. Uh, Those are our questions. Uh, Great, great questions. Thanks, James. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Ryan. And thanks, Conversations. We had some great Conversations. That's it for the questions, Ken. That's it for the questions. And this episode, big one. And yeah, you know, jokes aside, a lot of important things to discuss, a lot of hot button issues, and a lot of strong held opinions. And we always try to acknowledge them. And, uh, you know, we, we like a nice, warm Star Wars community uh, here. And and sometimes, uh, you know, pineapple on pizza is just going to create its problems. We get it. So we appreciate you all listening and uh, supporting. If you want to join the conversation or just follow us, you can do so on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Find our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube. We are rebroadcasting the news segments there. Uh, They finally going to wrap up uh, the final in memoriam for this uh, last batch, finally coming away in Star Wars Show and Tell. Coming back soon, with including some special guests. Uh, podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, uh, and more. Uh, merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us uh, if you so choose. What do you always say? 
best way to support us, just give us a listen, give us a download, give us a like, give us a rating review and tell a friend if you like Force Center. We got our own things going on and I will have pretty soon um, a uh, live show to announce in October. Going to come pretty fast here. Uh, look for it on KenNapsock.com or follow me at KenNapsock. You have the charity spotlight tab there. Joseph and I have been highlighting a lot of uh, charities and I'm sticking with the uh, California Fire Foundation, CAFireFoundation.org. Uh, this past Saturday, I, I've been in um, L.A. 22, 23 years now. I'm very used to fire season. There's been some very bad fire seasons. But on Saturday, with a fire not even close to me, um, I could see the smoke moving in my backyard. And it just a lot going on here out here on the West Coast. And so this is why I still uh, am choosing to highlight the uh, uh, California Fire Foundation. Go to uh, KenAppsuck.com, Charity Spotlight tab to find out uh, more. And maybe if, if you want, donate there. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great charity, and I would second that. Um, I also just uh, mention again the trans rights are human rights, colon, this is the way. If you're interested in that and the organization uh, that it benefits, uh, you can just Google that stuff and get the information and see if that's something that you want to do to help people out. Uh, for my own adventures, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow my website, Joseph Scrimshaw dot com for my other podcast obsessed comedy albums and uh if you think you might like a weird comedy fantasy show you can check out tigtone season one is on hbo max and new episodes of season two are every sunday at midnight on adult swim check it out my friends all right that's it for this week so for all the hot button issues in the world we'll <laughs> see you next time on four center Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.